Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Sebastiano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing today? Dan, to quote the former vice president of the United States, Hubert H. Humphrey, I'm pleased as punch to be here talking about backwash. Oh, wait, that's backlash. Well, you know, <laughs> politicians, they always get it wrong, right? Yeah. You know, no, and I, little I known you... fact, Triple H, uh, Hubert H. Humphrey, he's the original Triple H and he's a legitimate Triple H. <laughs> and I, and I, as far as I know, he never tore a quad. Oh, well, he, you know, he never went over Sting at Mania either. So that, there's that's that. true, too, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you, you nailed it on the head, though. This was, uh, I know I, we, you and I were talking during the event. Well, we'll get to some of our thoughts here. But uh, as you touched on, this is our review of WrestleMania Backlash, not not just backlash, WrestleMania backlash, because WrestleMania season is three months now. But um, I want to get started with, and I don't know if you had a chance to watch the pre-show. Uh, one of the better matches of of the of the evening, I thought, um, Sheamus doing his usual shtick and uh, he open challenge. He said he wouldn't put the title online; he just wanted to fight. Um, and Ricochet, of all people, responded, um, answered the challenge, and it was a I expected my kind of a squash given the way they've been booking Ricochet recently, but it was a hell of a match back and forth. And uh, what got me was there two, two distinct moments here was the Seamus one with a knee. He missed the brogue kick and then did this kind of a running knee lift. Almost uh, reminded me of, of that, of that high knee like strike that, that uh, beefcake used to do. And uh, so he beat him without without the broke kick, which I think is nice to kind of expand the arsenal a little bit. But then uh, after the match, Ricochet attacked him and he stole the hat and jacket Sheamus wears and kind of did the James Brown. And uh, at Raw, they they built up some of that on continued that little feud on Raw. I guess Ricochet is a kleptomaniac now, or at least he's mocking Sheamus. But I thought this was a fun match. Um, it's a good way to kind of get get everything going. Obviously, you don't have a live crowd to hype up, but I enjoyed it. Did you get a chance to watch pre-show, Benny? I did, yeah. And uh, I, my notes were I, I, I wrote that uh, Sheamus is doing some of the best wrestling of his career. I think he's really he, – he's solid. He, he His wrestling is solid. His promos are solid. And I almost thought that Ricochet might go over only because it was a non-title match. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I thought, what would, be, what would be the harm if he won? I mean, worst case, you know, they could have, another, have a rematch on, on, you know, Raw on Monday night. And right. he could, and then, you know, Sheamus would squash him. But it didn't go over that way. But, no, it was a very good match. I, my note is Ricochet went to the well one too many times with his high spots. And that knee looked pretty painful, though. Yeah, that, that knee looked pretty stiff. I'll give you that. Um, you know, and I was, I, I said the same thing. I thought. For a while, it did look like Ricochet was going to win because, you know, the WWE loves having their champions lose non-title matches. Uh, but another 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 moment down, uh, adding Ricochet to the mix, including uh, Umberto Carrillo and Mansoor. So uh, it's nice. To, they did this. It reminded me of what John Cena did a few years back. 
doing the open challenges for the U.S. title has given some of the lower card and mid card guys some screen time. And even in defeat, Rick, this is the strongest Ricochet's looked in a while. So, because I mean, really how, many people, how many people, you know, forget that he had a title at one point? Like, right. you know, he was he was a legit competitor. But uh, it was you know it was fun. It was a good way to get everything started. Uh, we move on to the main show and the opening. What surprised me was the match order. And, and I don't know about you, but I actually made a note of I was surprised by the match order. Um, but the opening match was the <clears throat> excuse me. The opening match was the triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Rhea Ripley defending against Oscar uh, and Charlotte Flair. Now, you and I had talked in our predictions about how Charlotte Flair kind of got tacked on. And both of us were sort of a little sick of her being in the. Uh, her being in the title picture, I do want to say um, I, I enjoyed Charlotte having that uh, Cruella Deville inspired attire. Uh, my wife said that the spots look more like a cow than a Dalmatian, but I got what they were going for. And I like that Charlotte has her own look now. Remember, heel Charlotte usually just wears kind of a female version of her dad's old robes. He never wore anything like that. So I no. like that she's kind of got her own look now. Um, but what did you think? What Benny? What did you think of this match? Uh, not really a surprise, you know. Of course, and and that fo- pretty much the rest of the card follows suit. Uh, you know, we we both made our predictions. We both ran the table. There was really nothing in the way of surprises. But you know, with the exception of a couple of matches, were really one in particular. I mean, they they were all pretty decent matches. I thought this was a good match. Um, I liked the way Charlotte was taunting both of them. She, you know, she was she was the definite heel here. There was right. no doubt about that. Um, uh, the one thing I didn't like, and she does it a lot, you know, Charlotte does the moonsault, you know, from yeah. outside the ring. And it's just like, like they're, I almost think of football and somebody calling a fair catch. They're just standing there waiting for somebody, for the football, you know, in this case, yeah. for Charlotte, so they can catch her. And I just, I'm just, I've never been a fan of that move. No. But I, the one move that I did like was when she, uh, she took them both out with a double chop block. And then yeah. she d- did the double natural selection. I really that that was a great move. I thought that was. I I liked the pacing. I really liked the pacing of this match. And you're right. The fact that you had face Oscar, you had heel Charlotte, and you had Ripley kind of playing a little bit of both. It was a, it told a good story. I could see why they added her. Uh, right person won. It was t- way too early to take the belt off Rhea Ripley. I think she looked good here. Um, but I have to agree with you. Um, two things. One, the spot, I, it's every match you see it in. When somebody climbs to the top rope, and every, uh, if, especially if they're jumping on to more than one person, they just kind of stand there and wait, and they, they light, may light push each other, and it's clearly they're right and ready to catch somebody. But the thing that killed me, and, and you saw it in this match, is Charlotte, her technique is great. She has good form with her jumps. But her moonsaults always look so bad on the landing. She pretty much went completely in between Asuka and Rhea, and it almost looked more like a moonsault into a double clothesline than it did her actually hitting them because she lands on her feet, usually in between the people she's jumping. Um, And I don't know if that's just maybe she's – I don't know. but I've never caught somebody doing a moonsault, but maybe it's on them. But her moonsaults always seem to just be a little off. I agree. I think the right person won. I think they had a good pace. I liked the ending. Um, obviously, having Asuka take the pin, which both you and I predicted was going to happen, um, ha- it sets up Rhea and Charlotte, or at least keeps keeps Charlotte fresh for, you know, I didn't lose the match or whatever. Um, 
we talked about it before the show on Raw. Charlotte challenged Rhea, said she wanted a one-on-one. Uh, she, if she was going to get it if she beat Asuka, which she didn't because Rhea, Rhea kind of distracted her. So that storyline just keeps going. I'm just uh, happy that Alexa Bliss is otherwise occupied and she's not in this mix. Yeah. Well, now that she's got the Fiend powers, maybe. But um, moving on, the, the next match the Smet was for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The I'm not going to call them that. Uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler defending against the Mysterios, Ray and Dominic. Um, before, you, again, during the pre-show, uh, Dominic was jumped, beaten. Uh, looks like, I, I want to say, was that a couch that they threw on top well, of him? So my, my notes are, earlier in the evening, Dominic gets double-teamed by Roode and Ziggler, and there just happens to be a Barco lounger. Or or, or 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 a sectional, you know. And, yeah, and of course, was, like yeah, you know, it's all wrapped and ready for delivery. And, and of was, course, like you're going to see that in a wrestling arena. Exactly. And, and you know, and Rude and Ziggler just did Dominic a favor and they delivered it to him. And the right. thing that I liked was that you know they lifted it pretty easily. And then when it landed on Dominic, then you had eight people trying to move it. And all of a sudden, like I don't know, maybe like it, it gained some gravity, but nobody can move the damn thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's heavier when it's upside down. That must be it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was a couch wrapped in plastic, and they threw it on top of him. Yeah. But this match, I, I, of of we're gonna get to the unfortunate surprise later. But um, this match, and oh, uh, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to say I, uh, I gave, I gave the uh, uh, women's triple threat match. I wrote three and a half out of five. I thought it was little, little below four, maybe like B plus. I have you, you. You read my mind. Three and a half stars. Yep. But um, moving moving back to the to the tag match. This match, uh, I noted two things. Was one was surprised by how they made how they booked Ray in this one, and two, this match was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, because uh, obviously Dominic's laid out, which good good for Ray. You know, checks on his son. Oh, Dad, my ribs hurt. Oh well, get better. I'm going to go win the titles by myself. Like it really <laughs> felt that that backstage scene was kind of rushed. You know. But um, Ray comes out, and he's in a two-on-one. Robert Roode, Dolph Ziggler, I mean, former Dolph Ziggler, former multiple-time heavyweight champion. The two of them have held mid-card titles, tag titles. Like, these are two of the better competitors on your roster. And Ray Mysterio holds his own against them. Um, obviously, they focus on the leg. They try and keep him grounded. But this meant, this segment, uh, building up to Ray being on the outside, barely beating the 10 count, you know, dragging himself back in the ring. This was a long match where it was just the three of them. I was surprised by how long this was. And then, unsurprisingly, Dominic comes out. He's nursing the ribs. He's, uh, you know, he limps out to the ring. He wants to make the tag. And this is the moment where, I mean, how many times have you seen this, Benny, where the, the, the beat-up partner comes out, gets the tag, bam, 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 and the match is over, right? But then Dominic comes in. And he takes the heat for another couple minutes. And then he has to make the tag. And he and Ray change off. And there was a whole, it was like a second, it was like a completely different match. It was part two of the same match. And it was a lot longer. And I'm not criticizing it. Don't get me wrong. This was a good match. I thought it told a great story with them focusing on Dominic and Ray. And obviously the Mysterios together being the scrappy underdogs. But it was just a lot longer than I thought. And um, I have one one gripe, I gave this I gave this match three out of five. It was a B. Um, one thing that 
I had is Dominic Mysterio had been nursing the ribs the entire time. And he then he hits a frog splash, which Eddie, Ray, Rob Van Dam, you name any, even Kevin Owens, D'Lo Brown, anybody that did the frog splash or some form of the splash, they always act for a brief moment like they hurt themselves too before they go make the cover. Dominic landed like a ton of bricks, one, two, three, and then got up like you've been selling the ribs the whole match. Right. And then you do a move that's chest to chest and you, it doesn't, you act like it doesn't hurt you. You know, I think he should have done the Rob Van Dam, like roll over and grab the ribs and then maybe one arm drape one, you know, something a little more dramatic, but that's, that's just, you know, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I said, I said three out of four, uh, easily, uh, easily a B here. I, I, yeah, I gave it a solid B. I, I, my notes are, uh, I said, Ray Mysterio is amazing. There was a couple of really good spots that I liked. One was, I guess, uh, where uh, Ray slid under, I guess, uh, Rude's legs, between Rude's legs, mm-hmm. and then actually, like, you know, slid right out of the ring and splashed Ziggler, who was, like, laying on the ground. I thought that was amazing. And yeah. then there was another spot where, you know, um, Rude threw Ray out of the ring, and, like, Ziggler was waiting and gave him a super kick, and it was just, like, perfectly timed but I, I i liked that and uh one of the spots actually i should have said something i made the note was they did a double team move where uh robert rude had him in a gun stinger and instead of for doing like a ddt or something dolph ziggler hit the famouser while he was flapjacked i thought that was great that was a great move too um and then uh there was a flying bulldog which i liked and i have a note ray gets in the ring at 9.9999 seconds I mean, you could not have cut that yeah any closer i mean I think the ref was saying like nine, nine and a half, nine and three quarters, nine and fifteen sixteenths. It, right. it, that one was close, but it, it was you know the, a feel good moment. Um, some really really good spots. Um, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. You knew it was you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, we we called it. I mean, it just it was it was too good. Of it was one of those moments that kind of books itself, you know. Um, but I will say one thing uh, I've read, we've, we've already had some talks on the forums and everything, is Rey Mysterio continued his trend of superhero-inspired attire for pay-per-views. And obviously his was Adam West Batman, 1960s Batman look. Um, there were some, some comments that people were surprised that Dominic didn't dress like Robin, or at least something similar. And I actually like the fact that he didn't. Because I don't want to give the illusion that Dominic is a sidekick or a secondary by having him look his own and Ray look his own, even even as Batman, you gave the impression they were two equals in the same team. So I, it was very tempting for them to it was very tempting for them to have Batman and Robin, but I'm glad they didn't. And I, I, I think I understand why. And I like that decision. And I think this is going to be very good for Dominic's career as well. Yes. Well, I mean, they made it very clear, you know, they, how they hyped first first father-son tag champs. I mean, we've had – you think about it. Just on this show, uh, Ivan Putsky, when he teamed with his son Scott, you know, in the feud against Jerry Lawler. And, you know, we, we've had moments with father-son tag teams. But to be father-son tag team champions, Champion. especially someone like Ray, who realistically with his style, she, he should have retired 10 years ago. Right. You know, the, the, the lifespan of, of a high-speed luchador is not someone who goes well into their mid mid to late 40s. And he looks like he's got another how many years left, you know? He hasn't slowed down a whole lot. Not not very much. Okay, then after that, nothing happened. And then we get to the women's title match. No. Um, so, Jesus Christ. Um, 
then this show comes to an absolute standstill. There's a backstage moment. The Miz is talking to John Morrison, who, for some reason, I can't quite figure out if it's something I missed on Raw or if it's just part of his new appearance for uh, from the feud. But they were calling him Johnny Drip Drip. Drip Drip, and yep. He his had his glasses even said Drip Drip. Yeah, um, I must have missed that. That's probably on me. But he's, uh, John Morrison said he was going to go hype up the Lumberjacks and kind of you know, tell them the what for since it's in their best interest to help the Miz. And he goes into the locker room. Lumberjacks on the door, which I think is weird that the Lumberjacks would have their own locker room. Lumberjacks, yeah. And Benny, Benny, holy shit. It was zombies. There were zombies in the locker room. And not like actors playing zombies. No, these were real zombies. They were this real was, zombies, yeah. These were real. The, the announcers, John Morrison played it up. Now, I, I get it's it's supposed to be hyping up the Army of the Dead movie starring Dave Batista. But apparently even Batista has come out and said he thought it was a stupid idea. Thank you. But these were real. These were real zombies. Um, and then... Yeah, I thought, okay, that's, like, how many segments have we seen where somebody opens the closet and there's the boogeyman, you know, or, uh, when the, you know, the Undertaker or something like that. I thought, okay, haha, right? No, we get to the ring, and the zombies are actually going to be the Lumberjacks, and they crawl all over the arena, and they surround the ring, and Damian Priest against The Miz in a Lumberjack match, and the Lumberjacks are real Zombies. zombies. And during the match, the zo- now I'll admit, I will give them credit for one thing. The zombies were very good lumberjacks. They were. They were neutral. They got people back in the ring. They equally attacked the faces and heels. And they stopped John Morrison from interfering. So they did their job. But, Benny, come on. They were they were real zombies. And then John Morrison gets, gets pulled over the wall during the match. Damian Priest... I didn't even really care at this point. He hit his move and won. And then the zombies get in the ring and they eat the Miz. So um, <laughs> I, I guess Miz and Mrs. is canceled now. Uh, this, we watched. Thir- Someone from the WWE said that the Blood and Guts pay-per-view and that awful fall that we talked about with Chris Jericho uh, through, through the obvious cardboard stage. They said that set wrestling back 30 years and not two weeks later, The Miz gets eaten on live TV by real zombies. I This wasn't even – technically this was a match, but this was so bad and so dumb and so awful that I just – I don't even – I can't even grade it like a match. Uh, I mean, negative five stars, F minus, whatever you want to call it. Whoever wrote this angle should be fired. Um, Vince should be ashamed of himself if he signed off on it. This was stupid. There is no way anybody. I mean, come on. You you've been you've been around the product long enough. How do you get through the creative process? You have a meeting. Somebody pitches the idea. Then you bring in these. I assume they're all local, probably Florida local Florida wrestlers uh, or actors or whatever. But you bring in the talent. You dress them up like zombies. You have to do your walkthrough because you're doing the spots. Although I will give. Um, uh, John Morrison credit for one thing. He did a move. He jumped on the stairs and did kind of a spinning, like action movie spin kick, knocked a couple of the zombies over. That was pretty impressive. Guys still got it. But 
there, there was a hundred chances for somebody to say, wait a minute, this, this is terrible. And this happened. WrestleMania backlash, your follow-up to the biggest show of the year, the build. This is your first pay-per-view of the new season to build to a new show, to a new series, to a new year of angles. And we're wrapping up WrestleMania and we're going to move forward. And you have fucking real zombies. So one of my favorite movies is Mr. Deeds. And my favorite character in the movie is Emilio, the, you know, the, the, the butler who winds up yeah. in the company. And when uh, I guess there's a scene when he is uh, whacking uh, Mr. Deeds foot with a uh, like a fire poke, whatever it is. Right. And uh, he makes the comment, the hideousness of that foot will haunt my dreams forever. And all you have to do is substitute match for foot. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I think uh, the New York Post allegedly said uh, one of the saddest moments in WWE history. Uh, Bleacher Report gave it a D minus, and I think they were being very generous. Yeah, with that. Well, I know the. Um, uh, I was reading CBS Sports because they 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 do their grades and reviews, and he said. Um, I actually, I actually got the quote here. It says, Miz was then eaten by zombies as Priest posed and an army of the dead graphic appeared in one of the WWE's lowest moments of the past decade, if Thank not you. longer. I mean, crap. Just absolute crap. And the worst part is, other than it just being absolute garbage, we talked about it before the match. Apparently, the Miz was injured at some point during the match. Um, he tore his ACL as of this recording. They haven't confirmed whether it's a partial or full tear. Uh, he, he'll be out for a couple months, which is a damn shame because how long he's been, I mean, better part of, of two decades he's been around now. 15, 16 years. Yeah, and, and first major injury of his career. And I blame the match type because he was doing spots in this match he would normally not do in his wrestling style. So, I mean, Damian Priest is, is, is a good, safe worker. Uh, you know, I just think it's shit. And it's it's of all the matches to shorten your career doing, it's this one. Ridiculous. He's probably going to z- blame the injury on the zombies when they were eating them. That's what caused it, the ACL tear. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. But then, on then you have uh, the the follow up matches: the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defending against Bailey. Now, here's two of the better talents. Period on your roster, not just among the women, just in general. Bianca Belair is probably one of the best pound for pound talents they have on their roster. And they have to follow this crap. The crowd is dead. I was, I made a note. If it wasn't for this show, I was, I, I would have turned the pay per view off. I, I told my, yeah. I, I told my wife, I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. You know, I'm certainly not going to pay as much attention as I should. I mean, I forced myself through it, but I, my interest in the show was gone. So this, how many fans do you think turned this off and missed the rest of the card? But if we weren't doing this, I would have been one of them. Yeah, me too. I would have been right there with you. Um, but this match, I liked the way they did this. Obviously, you and I both said Bianca was going to retain. She did. Um, Bailey is a great, great heel. But I liked, I, one, I liked the look Bailey had with the with the shaved message in the back of her head and, and you know, talking the smack during the match. But the the way they did this, I liked because it was – it was almost the scrappy underdog in reverse. Bianca was clearly the better wrestler. She was stronger, faster, 
better than Bailey. So Bailey had to be the one to find the shortcuts, and she her offense kept getting cut off by Bianca. And it's it's nice to see the face dominant, but the fact that the heel was able to because Bailey's the scrappy veteran now, she was able to stay in it. Um, she was you know. The, 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 the taunts kept kept calling her a rookie and going after she was kind of focusing on the on the on the arm and um I really liked the the kicking out of the Bailey to belly you don't I mean Charlotte that keeps Charlotte Flair now Bianca kicked out of it that was a nice nice bit um the only criticism well I should say the only the main criticism I have of this match is they botched the finish thank you um it was obviously the way it was supposed to be. Bailey rolled up Bianca. Bianca reversed the roll up using her hair to hold Bailey's legs. Um, kind of a very similar to I don't know if you remember from early UFC days. Uh, Hoist Gracie had he he would he would use his gi to assist in the chokes, and it very much reminded me of that where she kind of used the uh, victim of opportunity. However. Uh, B- Bianca Belair lost the grip on her hair and it fell out of her hand. So Bailey had to just kind of keep her leg straight, even though it wasn't being held in place. So one, two, three ending looked kind of sloppy, but uh, other than that, I thought it was fine. Uh, very serviceable, as good a match as you'd expect between these two. Uh, completely different styles that meshed really well. Uh, B plus, you know, uh, for this match too. Um, I think maybe B, B plus, just because it was so good, other than the ending, I would easily have given this an A minus if they had nailed that finish. Same thing, and you know my notes. Bailey, like Bailey at WrestleMania, to me was just very annoying. But yeah. I have a note: Bailey has become a great heel. She really has. She's really embraced it. I, I she was one of those people that I didn't think she could pull it off, but she definitely has. Um, you know, I have the same thing. I, I think her new move is called the Rose Plant, which. I'm not sure why she didn't call it the ding dong hello, but it's the rose plant. And you know, so she reversed the rose plant, and it, like you said, it was very very sloppy, and they had to kind of improvise a little bit just to you know to yeah. make it work. But then like Bailey went batshit, and you know she said she used her hair, which Bailey was using five seconds before that. Right, and and Bailey had the spot where she put her feet on the ropes to try and make the pin. You know, I like the heel that gets outsmarted and then cries like, like, Oh, the good guy cheated. Look at that. That's BS. I like when she grabbed their stack of papers and says, write it in your notes. <laughs> that, was, I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, and, and may I say that, um, when we did the last pay-per-view review we did was WrestleMania and both of us, big, bold letters at the top. I'm sure it's probably one of the first two or three notes that we wrote. Both of us, big, bold letters. How about Michael Cole sucks? I this have one paper, of those here again. Yeah. The, yeah. The announcing here was not perfect, but holy crap, it was significantly better than WrestleMania. I give them that. Yeah. But um, yeah, B plus. Uh, so decent recovery, very good recovery from from the crap that had preceded it. And um, I guess I have a note here uh, too. Yeah. Like, who who does Bianca work with next? And one of the people that I think she would work, even though she's a, a face as well would be Naomi. I think the two of them could work really, really well together. Yeah, I could see that. Now, remember, Naomi and Lana are a tag team right now. Right. So, so we'll see. But um, I like that they, I don't know what the long-term plan is, but I like that they've kind of kept Sasha Banks away, um, you know, maybe selling the hair whip. But you, you've, I, I think the way this match ended, you, you're going to get another match out of Bayley. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, 
because uh, the next pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell. So I wouldn't be shocked if you build towards some kind of a triple threat or a four corners match or something like that. Um, be going to be interesting to see where, where it goes. But yeah, um, same thing with, uh, with Rhea Ripley where they, the right person won, but they did it in such a way where the feud didn't end. They can keep right. this going for and at least another, at least another strong except for Oscar, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, but Oscar has done enough that she's not, her character doesn't doesn't crumble undertaking. True. You know, I mean, you got booted by Charlotte Flair, and then you took the riptide. That was that's yeah. you know, you're going down for that. Just uh, speaking of which, it goes to the next next match, the uh, the triple threat for the WWE Championship. Um, this match, I want to say, and I'll, I'll let you talk first here, but this my main note from this match is Braun Strowman, MVP of this match. He thoroughly impressed me. But what, what, what do you think? What, what were your thoughts on this match here? Ben? Yeah, I, and I like the fact that they really uh, they gave him a lot of the spots. He, my note is a lot of the action was Drew and Braun. Uh, there was a particular move when uh, Strowman hit a, landed a, a, a senton. Mm-hmm. And it looked, I mean, looked painful. Even when you, they showed it in slow motion. I mean, he, you know, that's 400 pounds landing on somebody you know, yeah. dead on solid. And... Uh, I like. I totally agree with you. I, I think he looked really good. Yeah, he did take the pinfall, but I don't really think he lost a whole lot here. I don't know if no. he's going to still stay in the in the main event action. You know, the main event picture rather for the uh, for the championship. But right. I thought it was a very good match. I'm I'm not usually a fan of three ways, but these three guys really did a great job. Well, you. Uh, I know we talked before the show. You haven't you haven't had a chance to watch Raw yet. Um, spoilers. They do keep this this feud going. Um, however, they introduce a new wrinkle to this match, um, which I'm going to talk about first and then get back to the match because I kind of see where they're going with this, or at least I think I, I hope I see where they're going with this. Um, Bobby Lashley came out and he did an open challenge on Raw to anyone on the roster except Strowman or McIntyre. Um, and the New Day accepted it was Bobby Lashley against Kofi Kingston. Uh, after some shenanigans from Drew McIntyre, Kofi actually pinned Bobby Lashley. Um, adding, I mean, I don't know if they're going to tack another another wrinkle to the match, but having Kofi in a in a main event spot uh, uh, might be interesting because the way they're doing this, that where it, uh, Strowman, there was a moment in the match when Strowman threw Bobby Lashley into the deadliest of all WWE furniture sparks. And so Lashley was out. And then, like you said, then it focused on McIntyre against Strowman. And there was a lot of good moments. Ah, what The one that impressed me the most was <clears throat> Strowman hitting the Michinoku driver. I mean, he deadlifted Braun Strowman into a Michinoku driver. That's a lot of weight. And it looked Perfect. Yeah, it, it, it looked was, perfect, which move. I give Braun credit because that's a hard move to take if if you know anything about the business because you got the way you got to tuck your shoulders and balance and also great great moment there these two and then Lashley came in uh, you had the claymore you had the spear and I'm glad that they that it was a pin and not the the hurt lock which don't get me wrong I like the hurt lock but I think having Strowman go down from power moves made more sense than having, say, a Claymore and then Strowman uh, ends up passing out to the Hurt Lock, um, which uh, one of the criticisms of the WrestleMania feud was 
despite as good a match as it was, despite the outcome, the main event title match, well, I guess opening match, but the, the, the match for your WWE title at WrestleMania ended with a full Nelson. Like, that's, you know, kind of right. anticlimactic. But I really liked this. This match was it was a uh, I gave it four stars for I, I would even argue maybe four and a half a minus um, easy great match. I like where they're going with this because it certainly you you can move Bobby Lashley onto another opponent and then you can have Strowman and McIntyre kind of be right there right underneath where they're still involved but not quite. Maybe you can have a a, ma- a series of matches between just Strowman and McIntyre because they prove they work together great. You can bring you can bring them back in with Lashley. Uh, clearly, now that you've added Kofi from Raw, you're starting to see who the six men are going to be come Hell in a Cell. Because um, remember, La- uh, Kofi Mania started with his Hell in a Cell match with Daniel Bryan. So of course, if you're going to have a Hell in a Cell title match, you might as well throw Kofi in there. So you got you've got Strowman La- uh McIntyre, Lashley, right now Kofi because of Raw. But this was a great match, told a great story. This is the best Bobby Lashley has ever looked. Um, and I'll I'll say even better than his TNA days because he's he's on a bigger stage and he's against bigger and better competition. Nothing against TNA. I enjoyed their time, but the roster WWE has now is stronger. So I think having him as the champion, plus his pairing with MVP is is just phenomenal. I mean, Paul, uh, Paul, Paulie dangerously 2.0 right there with the fancy suit. And, and you know, the, the, the MVP is just great on the mic, but I love it. I thought it was a great match. Um, and I thought it really, it really helped bring me back into the show that I was detached from. Right. I was going to say the same thing after the debacle, you know, with, with the Miz, you had two really good matches in a row. Yep. Now, the show uh, uh, from title to title, the Universal Championship, the, fi- the the main event, Roman Reigns defending against Cesaro. Now, interesting note here, Roman Reigns has really catapulted the Universal title. When they first split the brands and introduced the Universal title back when it was... Uh, back when it was Daniel Bryan as the GM of SmackDown and Mick Foley was the GM on Raw. Um, The Universal title, which was on Raw at the time, that was Brock Lesnar holding it, became the title. And there was a stretch, and and this is... I'd have to look up the notes again, but it was was better part of two years. It was something like 21... 21 months or something like that. I want to say it was 20, 20 months, something in that range where the WWE championship did not close out a show, even on pay-per-views where the universal title wasn't defended. But then obviously the WWE championship took, took back over, but now that, and then they swapped, you had the whole Goldberg debacle and all that. But now the, now the Universal title is closing out the pay-per-views again. Roman Reigns is getting the bigger spot on the card than Bobby Lashley. Um, and I like to see that because I think Raheel Roman's a great character. Um, plus, I mean, you and I talked about this during the pre-show, or excuse me, during the prediction show, that it's great. This is Cesaro's first singles title match. Great to see. Um, and they've booked Cesaro so great the last few weeks. 
coming into this last few months, really, with his him beating Daniel Bryan a couple months ago. Um, but this match had an interesting beginning because it started with Roman backstage at the gorilla position telling Jay, uh, telling Jay Uso to uh, uh, piss off. I got this. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna do this myself. Go away. Um, and when that happened, I expected he's gonna come back, right? But he didn't. Roman Reigns won the match clean. Um, back is a lot of we'll get into the good back and forth, but he won it clean. He won it by himself. Um, I thought this match was great the way they had it booked because it was Roman Reigns has, has been a powerhouse. He, you know, so I'm just going to punch you in the face until you give up. I'm going to, I'm going to choke you out. I'm going to Superman punch spear. I'm the strongest man in the ring. Cesaro is stronger and they built that. He kept frustrating Roman Reigns with his power. Um, he was, he was able to the great looking uppercuts. He powered out of moves. Uh, he had his, his debut, um, he kept trying to set him up for the swing and the sharpshooter. He did actually end up getting him in the sharpshooter, but Reigns got out of it pretty quickly. Uh, but it was just back and forth, back and forth. And then Roman starts going for the arm. And so they built up Cesaro hurt the arm, which with a lot of Cesaro's offense, the uppercuts, the, the, the neutralizer, the swing all requires that arm. And they hit had the moment Cesaro, um, his arm gave out when he tried for the neutralizer which I thought was, you know, a good way of kind of setting it up. Um, and then when he hit that that lariat, and you could tell, like, instantly, the way he sold it with his face, instantly regretted it. Um, Reigns locked in the guillotine. Cesaro powered out. And, and not just powered out, like, he slammed his way out, you know, MMA style. Um, but got back in the guillotine, passed out, choked him out cold. Cesaro didn't tap, but he, he passed out. Um I thought it was great. This was I four and a half stars out of five for me. Great match. I could easily see this being an A plus. This is pure wrestling. Like this is the match I point to when we watch some of the crap on AEW with the five hundred super kicks and you know, well zombies and say, look, this is what wrestling should be. Your card should be ten matches just like this one. This almost could have been like an NWA match in 1988. Exactly. It it just, it was perfect. I mean, not not perfect, but I mean, it was pretty damn close to perfect. Cesaro was phenomenal. And I I really like the way they they booked Roman. To be that dominant champ, he's not not a chicken shit heel. He's arrogant. He, you know, he's, you know, supremely confident, you know, and I'm, Kind of still wondering what's happening, and I guess maybe we'll find out on Friday night with the you know with the Usos, and I the the one thing I I, I didn't I knew that Cesaro was going to lose. I thought he you know he lost he put a hell of an effort in, uh, right. but yeah he looked good in defeat. He looked great, say. and what I don't understand is why the beatdown afterwards. Yeah, if, you know you had Jey Uso. Basically begging, let me let me get him now. Go for it. You know he put the he put the the lay of peppers around. Uh, which it did. I, I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be, but it did. Didn't that look like just a string of little red peppers yeah. put around his neck? They got him at Publix, right? Before yeah. The match. yeah. <laughs> but but he put the lay on. And he said, "Let me get him." He got him, and Jay just beat the crap out of Cesaro. 
And then as he's beating him up, burn it down hits. My first thought is they are not about to have a Seth Rollins face turn, right? Because we were talking about that before. Who was going to be the next in line? So here comes Seth Rollins in the ugliest suit I have ever seen in my life. And that's saying a lot because Seth Rollins has been dressed like my grandmother's couch a couple times in the last few months. The ugliest suit I have ever seen. He comes out and he beats the piss out of Cesaro. And he's stomping the arm and he does the stomp and he puts the arm in the chair and slams it against the the, the rail, or excuse me, the uh, turnbuckle. And they just, I mean, Cesaro, it, you, this is the kind of beating you take somebody off TV for weeks over. Honestly, if Cesaro's on SmackDown in anything less than a neck brace, they undersold this beating. This is the kind of, like, you, you need to be written off TV for a little while beating. It reminded me of, I, I'm not sure if I have my players right, but I, uh, when Superstar Graham, when he, when he turned babyface, I guess it was around 84, and I think he got splashed by the one-man gang. And it was because, you know, he obviously needed hip replacement surgery, and he was right, gone after right. that. But something like that was just, like, so one-sided and, you know, so long. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. And it was it was very—the beating went on way too long. And if you're going to have Seth Rollins come out, then the whole having Jey Uso attack him first seemed pointless. But, I mean, just Vince McMahon reminding the world— because if you remember when he was on the uh, Stone Cold podcast— and that was during the peak of the Cesaro section. And Stone Cold asked him straight up about Cesaro. And Vince McMahon named him verbatim as someone who will never make it. He won't be able to grab that brass ring. He just doesn't have it. And maybe that's his way of just reminding the audience, we gave you what you wanted, but here you go. back. To, welcome back to Earth. Um, but it certainly was a creative way of, of putting the feud back at Seth Rollins, because now if I'm Cesaro, I don't give a shit about Roman Reigns. He beat me. I'm going to go after Seth Rollins now. So I don't know. I don't, but, I don't get that. I, I have a note here that, that Nancy Kerrigan was in the crowd saying, why, why? <laughs> I mean, why go back there? I, that That's done and over with. That played itself out. Why? Yeah, he, to- he dominated with the dominant win at WrestleMania where he did the whole UFO spin on the shoulders. And then he beat him on SmackDown. I, I don't see a reason for that to continue. Like, what more can you get from the feud between Rollins and Cesaro? I don't know. Um, I would have rather have seen Apollo Crews come out and do something, because then, you know, you can legit set up a, a feud between Cesaro and Apollo Crews, and then Cesaro can win a belt. Yeah, but, see, and that's, it's funny you mention Apollo Crews, because he's currently in a multi-man feud of his own with Big E, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which now Cesaro's out of the picture. He's been he's been beaten down, transferred over to uh, Seth Rollins has the feud. Daniel Bryan has left SmackDown. He's his fish. Apparently his contract is legit over. He's gone from the company. Um, Big E and Kevin Owens are tied up in a feud for the mid card title. So unless you give Shinsuke Nakamura the Cesaro push where you build him up for a month or two just to feed him to Roman Reigns there is no main event faces left on Smackdown um, and I think there's one of two ways you go with that you bring somebody like in, like you push you give Nakamura or somebody like Nakamura the Cesaro push where you know you build him up bam 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 month or two later holy crap this guy's 
legit competing for the title and then feed him to Roman. Or now you've got Seth Rollins and Cesaro and Roman Reigns and maybe Shinsuke and maybe Big E or somebody. You, you start to see there's no since there's no one guy you can have a Hell in a Cell match and then Roman can look super dominant winning the Hell in a Cell match the way Daniel Bryan did when he defended the title in three different three different times in Hell in a Cell. Um, I just think it's or I, I'm sorry, Hell in a Cell Elimination Chamber. Um, but you've got you've got uh, it's, you you see the matches you've got all kinds of stuff going on. But here's the thing: is this when you pull the trigger and bring Edge back? I, I don't know. Where, where do you think they go from here, Benny? I, I heard and it, you know just remember I heard Cena's coming back. I mean that maybe that would work. Well, I mean, Cena did say that he misses the WWE and he kind of wants people to come back to the WWE. But I don't know if that's going to be a full-time thing or maybe a cameo, kind of like what they did with The Rock a couple years ago, give him the title for a month or two to to, to drop it to the next big star at a pay-per-view. Um, but I don't know. I, I I'm really curious to watch, and I've been very vocal that SmackDown is so much better than Raw. Uh, recent in recent months, um, especially, I'm curious to see what they do on SmackDown because I want to know where they go from here. There is no one left to challenge Roman Reigns. Now, the only thing, like the reason I said Shinsuke, is because he cut that promo last week where he said, you know, when he was talking about Daniel Bryan, and he said, you know, whoever wins that match, I'm coming for you. So maybe he's waiting in the wings. You know, Roman cuts the promo, he interrupts him. And those two have had some good chemistry in the past, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know where they go from here. You know, Nakamura would give Roman a great match, but yeah. it'd be the same thing. I mean, you know going in that there's absolutely no chance that he's going to win. Right, but, exactly. Uh, the, the prediction is, you know, the same with Cesaro. You, you predict it's going to be a great match, but you also know, you know, a, a thousand to one that, that Roman Reigns is going to go over. Right, and, and that's the thing, because the next pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell, Right. So um, you seem like you're building up for multi-man matches, which I don't, you don't do multi-man Hell in a Cell matches, really. So let's say you only have two, maybe three Hell in a Cell matches on the card, right? You assume you're going to have your big title matches. So who do you throw? Do you create a new feud on, on Friday? The, the SmackDown after this show will be... Uh, m- excuse me, will be May 21st. So from for exactly a month, because Hell in a Cell is on June 20th, do you do you introduce a new challenger and their first match for the title be in the cell? It's awful quick to build. Yeah, yeah the Hell in a Cell is something you two, three months into the feud, right? That's the that's the blow-off. Maybe, maybe right. six months or more. So I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe, maybe the cell... Hell in a Cell is when you bring Edge in because Edge Roman in the cell or something. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. But I think but, it's uh, a good oh. thing that we're anticipating. You know, we're talking about it. There's, we don't know, and that's a good thing. I mean, as predictable as the pay per view was, and we you know right. we called it right. We ran the table. We we got every match right. But you know, as far as predicting what's going to happen next, there's a lot of anticipation, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, exactly, and. Even with the the terrible, terrible moment that we saw in the middle of the show. Can't even call I, it by name. 
I still the 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 he what is what is it they called Voldemort he who shall not be named the the match who shall not be named um garbage crap uh even with that overall I still thought this was a great show um I mean yes one bad moment that's that terrible can bring the entire show down but I'm not going to say it was the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen that's not that's not fair to the rest of the card but it did it did, did give me hope because you've got uh, I want to see who Roman goes up with next. I want to see where they're going with Bobby Lashley. I want to see you've got the mid card title. They didn't have Apollo on the show, so where are we going with the mid card feud? Because Big E, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, that's Apollo Cruz. That's four of your best workers on SmackDown, like to, as far as in ring guys. So I want to see where that goes. Uh, I, I, it certainly looks like they're going to build up to the Usos going after the Mysterios. That should be a great series of matches. Um, I, I, I guess there's, there's good stuff on the horizon. Speaking of on the horizon, Benny, uh, this Thursday we have a special show on, on as good as it will be to have the conversation. It is because of an unfortunate event. Um, Obviously, uh, ECW superstar and 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 independent. Uh, I don't even know how to describe his style, uh, but New Jack uh, passed away unexpectedly, very unexpectedly. Um, interesting. Uh, sadly enough, is some of the first drive uh, charity drive that that arose from his passing was merchandise that he was in the process of selling himself like boxes in the garage. I'm signing this and send selling it. Um, but very unexpectedly, uh, obviously very polarizing figure. Um, people had both good and bad things to say about him as both a wrestler and person. Uh, but to, to talk about his legacy and his career and his life, uh, this Thursday, we're having a special new Jack Memorial discussion. Um, we're, we're with uh, special guests, award-winning filmmaker Mikey Messier, friend of the show, and uh, the return of Pro Wrestling Stories author Javier Yost. So uh, that should be the, the good little round table there to talk about talk about New Jack. And and very, very good guest because Javier, in fact, he had done a story about New Jack on uh, the, the Pro Wrestling Stories website uh, about a year ago. And uh, they just re-released it, you know, upon New Jack's passing. So he's got some, you know, not really experience with New Jack, but, I mean, he's written about him. And then right. Mikey, Mikey has actually met, apparently, uh, met New Jack on several occasions and interacted with him. So he's got some some good stories. And he was there, I guess, at that very unfortunate incident. Uh, I think the guy's name was Eric, uh, a.k.a. Mass Transit. Mass Transit, the Mass Transit and incident. Mikey, Mikey was there. And, and Mikey you know, was so in we, the crowd talk about Mass that. Transit. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it should be a good episode. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, again, it's the same thing when we did the, uh, uh, if you remember with a couple times since, since you and I have been doing this between the old show and now with like Butch Reed. And then uh, when, when we, when we discussed um, uh, uh, the unfortunate passing around Christmas, uh, when we, we, we had the, the expose on, on Luke Harper and, and, um, and so it's it's unfortunate. And then you posted something earlier today. Uh, I, I caught the the tail end of um, 
Danny, on another passing that happened? Um, actually, I think both Mikey and Javier both posted about Don Crunodal, who was an absolute legend in the Mid-Atlantic Territory in the, yeah. you know, the 70s and the 80s, was the uh, NWA Tag Team Champion with Sergeant Slaughter. Just a great, solid wrestler. And the, the funny thing is, he got his indoctrination to pro wrestling kind of was similar to uh, William Harding, who we had on the show with the Sugar Challenge. Yeah. Uh, he His very first match, uh, Kernodal, was, I think, in 1973 against Bob Roop. And <laughs> he had a last 10 minutes with Bob Roop. And Roop just, you know, I mean, Kernodal yeah. made a good showing, very good showing, because I guess he had a pretty decent amateur background himself. But, okay. I mean, Bob Roop was an Olympic, you know, an Olympic wrestler. Right. And Roop just stretched the crap out of him. But I guess he made a good enough showing for himself that he got you know, he got a job out of it and had a I mean one of these guys that you know f- flew under the radar I, I think very underrated but very very solid wrestler you know held a number of uh, tag team championships throughout his career I think he was seventy one years old so yeah it's another one unfortunately yeah the two uh, unfortunately the uh, that's part of the reason we we enjoy having you know your your Dominic Danucci's and uh, when we've had like Bill Dundee and others on the show is the the lifespan of the territory wrestlers has not won for this world. But uh, we look forward to that. Um, it should be a good discussion to kind of talk about everything. Uh, we've got some other good stuff coming up. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we keep chugging along. Moving, going. Um, you and I talked earlier today. Uh, we continue to expand. I was just thumbing through the when you when you asked about it. I was thumbing through our our numbers, which are looking pretty good. But we've got uh, f- downloads and visits uh, across the world, including not an insignificant number in France, Germany, England, Australia. Obviously, I'm sure Javier's skewing our El Salvador numbers a bit, just but. A it's 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 good to see that, that we're reaching everybody and the uh we've seen the activity on the Facebook page which continues to grow uh for anybody out there listening Dan and Benny in the ring on Facebook it's a it's not just the fan page it's also a great place for discussion everything from uh wrestling to memories um I had a pretty good discussion I posted a, a picture I had taken with uh Ivan Koloff about 2015 somewhere in there and um that led to some comments. Mikey's posts his his rants, and we continue to grow there. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's great talk, and people have been respectful. We got a good fan base. We keep going, and we wouldn't be doing them with doing this without them. But uh, any closing thoughts, Benny? Well, along those lines, you know, and you've mentioned it in a, in a previous show that one of, one of our discussions actually led to a show because we were so intrigued by you know by the thought of you know Billy Graham was was his title reign cut too short. And we had Evan Ginsberg and uh, Nikita Brezhnikov, and I. That was one of my favorite shows. That show could have went on for three days, and it would, yeah. I would not have gotten gotten tired to listening to those we, guys. And, and still you know, be talking. Absolutely, and you know who knows? Maybe something else. People post content. A lot of the people, besides us and and Javier, although we post a lot, but a lot of the people have posted really, really good content on the page. That leads to discussion, and who knows? It might lead to another show. Yeah, yeah, I love it, and and that's. It, it's it's good to have that organic growth because, you know, like I said, we wouldn't be here without the fans. And it's always good to have fan involvement. So, um, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff coming forward. And we uh, – uh, how's it, how's it I always say, Benny? Uh, outward and upward. 
On one record, yep. So uh, for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spastiano. Have a good night, everyone, and as always, happy wrestling. Good night, folks.